You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Can everybody hear me clearly? Thank you. Okay, title of the lesson is Still I Rise. I'm going to test this clicker out for my first time using it. Oh, yeah. Oh, hey, it's on. It's on, guys. You ready? Okay. I'm going to start. As you can see, I'm going to read Luke 18, verses 22 through 25. When Jesus heard this, he said, no, that's not the one I want. It's Luke 8, 22 through 25. Yeah, they put it, they made a mistake. It's okay. I'm going to read Luke 8, 22 to 25, guys. Here we go. One day, Jesus said to the disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. They were in a boat with Jesus. And mind you, a lot of these guys have been in boats before, right? They were fishermen. So you must assume the squall must have been pretty big to have them afraid that they were going to die, right? So they panicked. They woke Jesus, right? And I was thinking about that. They were in a boat, and the storm hit. The storm did not go around their boat. It did not go around Jesus because they were with Jesus. The storm still came. And sometimes I think that we act surprised when we go through a storm and we say, but I'm a disciple. I've been serving for years. How is this happening to me? I've been faithful. We get a little bitter. We get a little angry. But I look at this at this picture right here, and I was like, you know, Jesus was in that boat, and the storm did not go around him. It hit that boat hard, and they panicked. But because it was Jesus, he didn't panic. He calmed the storm. But he called them out on their faith. He said, you have little faith because they're in a boat with Jesus. Right? See, me... I want to stay in the boat with Jesus. Amen. When the storms hit, I want to stay in the boat with Jesus. I'm going to read a few things here, and we're going to start with um, Joseph. I'm going to look at his life a little bit, see how he responded to storms. We're going to start in Joseph, Genesis 37, verses 1 through 10. It said, Jacob lived in a land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the kind of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the son of Bilah and the son of Zilpah, the father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Now, if you look at this, as we see so far, Joseph didn't do anything wrong. But for some reason, his brothers hated him. You know, sometimes we may be at work. We may be trying to shine our light and do things right. But sometimes people might be jealous of us and they might say things about us, right? That may not be true. How are we going to respond in that small storm, right? What's our response going to be? One thing I'm going to start with right now, and I'm going to tell you guys so we can always remember this. Our response is our responsibility. It's no one else's. Always remember that. 
Our response is our responsibility. No matter what anyone else does, how we respond is on us. We have to stay close to Christ. And where we have to stay, we have to stay in the boat. So Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He shared a dream with them, but they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We're binding sheaves of grain out in the field. When suddenly my sheaf rolled and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Enough said. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he said. It was a dream, guys. He's just sharing a dream. But they hated him all the more. You might share your faith, right? Doing what's right. And they may hate you for it. What are you going to do? How are you going to respond? Right? People may talk bad about you and say, oh, that, he's a Bible thumper. All he does is talk about God. It's not even true. That's a fairy tale. It's true. And we have to stand firm on the truth and love them. What are we going to do when someone calls us out and, and they don't like us because we share our faith, because we want to live a certain way, because we don't want to participate in certain things. And we tell them, hey, you can do it. I just, I'm just not going to participate in it. We're not knocking them, but then they feel it because inside they might know what's wrong. And they're going to despise you and be angry with you for it. How are you going to respond? Are you going to stand the boat with Jesus? I want to stand the boat with Jesus. Then he had another dream. The dreams keep coming. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. He, he's oblivious to how they're feeling, obviously. <laughs> I mean, poor guy. He's so, he's so innocent. You can see his innocence, right? And, and he said, this time the sun and moon and 11 stars will bind down to me. He's excited, right? <laughs> and when he told his father as well, as his brothers, his Father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? Now his father's a little confused, a little bothered. But it didn't say his father hated him. He was bothered because this is his son. I'm bowing down to my son. Kind of hard, right? So then it goes on. Where is it at? Oh, then we go down to Genesis 7, 37, 19, 28. He's going out to see his brothers, and they see him coming from a distance. And they go, here comes that dreamer. They, not their brother. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. They had a plan, right? In their feudal minds, they had a great plan. We often have plans in our feudal minds, but God's always in control, right? And sometimes people have plans against us. But we got to stand in the boat and trust God. Sometimes people have plans to do us harm, but we have to stay in the boat with Jesus. No matter what they have planned, we stay in the boat with Jesus. Hold to that. Then when Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. This is the brother that was so-so. <laughs> Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern. Good guy, right? Throw him into the cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. Not bad. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe because they were jealous of that robe, so they took it off of him. The ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Ha, huh, 
Judas said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? So now he's thinking, come, let us send him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. Do you guys think that sounds nice? Right? Right? He, he, he's like, this isn't so bad. Let's sell our brother. He, after all, he's our brother. We'll sell him. The bottom line is we never know where, where adversity is going to come from. We never know. Right? We always have to stay in the boat with Jesus. Let's watch Joseph. Joseph was a good guy. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver. That's sad. 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. Now, he's in Egypt. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of Agar, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, the master took notice, right? That the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did. Potiphar took note of that. Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. What his brother meant for harm starts to turn out pretty good. Right? Sounds like Joseph stayed in that boat. Sounds like Joseph stayed close to God. God was with Joseph. They didn't say Joseph was bitter and angry. He turned his back on God and said, why would you do this to me, God? Why would I go through this? My own family, my own family sold me. That has to be pretty hurtful, I would assume, right? But he wasn't. He went and served and was an example. The way we're called to be an example in our daily lives, right? And I haven't been sold to anybody. Thank God it's Black History Month. I haven't been sold. We're chilling. <laughs> but, messing. But he was sold, guys. Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. Everything he entrusted this man from the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. It was Joseph's faithfulness through this time of turmoil. Joseph stayed faithful. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had both in the house and in the field because of Joseph. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Well, here we go. Now, Joseph, here we go. Here we go. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome, and after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. Here comes a storm again. Can he win? Here comes another storm, right, coming into his life. But Joseph, the man of God he is, he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? So with everything he was going through, even now, with her trying to tempt him in this way, he is still talking about God in their house. He's in their household, and he is still talking about God. He didn't get bitter. He didn't say, why is this happening to me? Why are you doing this to me? I'm in such a great position right now. Why? He goes, I will not dishonor God. 
What do we do when things come our way? Do we think that way? Do we think I will not dishonor God? If someone cuts us off on the road and we have a hand with five fingers, do we wave or do we do something else with this hand? Right? Sometimes it's a thought. Sometimes people actually fall into it, right? What do we do? And that's small. So think about if something big comes, if, you, if you're dealing with these small things in this way, when something big hits you and your habit, right, is to have that type of response. What do you think is going to happen when something big comes? You think you're going to stand firm or you're going to be more apt to waver because you're used to responding in a certain way, right? But if you focus and say, I don't want to sin against God, that will become more normal for you. We want that to be the norm in our lives. I don't want to sin against God. To people who are married, right? A lot of times, I'm not going to look at anyone. I have a lot of married friends who I love and adore. So I'm going to make sure I don't look at you guys directly. To people who are married, sometimes, sometimes it's the very individual you live in the house with that brings certain storms in your life and they test you. Right? And this is the person you stood up next to an altar and said, I will love this person for the rest of my days. But then, all of a sudden, it goes south. The storms hit, and this person just doesn't seem so beautiful at the moment. You're like, I love them, but I don't like them. <laughs> right? But you, we need to still try to focus. Like, I don't want to sin against God. My response, if my wife makes me feel like I'm disrespected, right, or maybe not appreciated, or I'm going to swift them to calm down. Calm down, champ. Well, we got one. They put themselves... Hey, well, the hurt dog house. Okay, listen, <laughs> love you. Well, <laughs> we love Martini guy. <laughs> if you feel disrespected, hurt, or you feel angry, your response should be that I don't want to sin against my wife. I don't want to sin against God. Right? Think about your response, because once again, your response is your responsibility. No matter what she does, if you respond in a sinful manner, that's on you. You cannot blame her. She upset me because she was disrespectful. I was working all day. I came home, and I felt disrespected. Sorry. Calm yourself. Try to have a conversation. Your response is your responsibility. Now, to the women who are all amazing, if your husband comes home, and you guys feel like, man, you've been cleaning, you've been dealing with kids, all these sort of things, I am tired. He comes home and he wants to sit down for him. You'd be like, hey. And he goes, what? And you feel like, I don't feel loved. I don't feel like you support me. You don't do anything around here. I do everything. Well, I don't think that would be pretty encouraging. And some of that may not be true because I'm sure he does something. So when we start talking absolutes, that could be a little twisted. So perhaps we want to love our husbands and say, I don't want to sin against my husband. I'm looking at you because you said something. I don't want to sin against my <laughs> No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> but perhaps instead, we stay in the boat with Jesus, right? And we say, I'm feeling these things at the moment. And if I speak at this moment, chances are they're not going to come out right. Because my feelings, right, they're valid. But if I say this thing, it just... It just may hurt. It may, it may damage the marriage at this moment, right? It may not ruin it, but it could damage it, right? So you should think, I don't want to sin against God, my husband and God, right? We should always want to stay in the boat with Jesus, okay? Oh, I got four minutes left. And I have, I'm going to read one more, I'm going to read these scriptures here. 
I had, I had some other stuff, but I'm going to skip it. Oh, I do? Okay, guys. Okay, let me, let me, let me flip. I'm trying to be on, on, on time for you guys. You guys are awesome. Well, <laughs> you guys are awesome. So, here we go. I'm going to go back. So this, so her husband came home. His wife came to him. She told him this story. That Hebrew slave, that Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make, to make sport of me. That does not sound good. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his, his wife told him saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Once again, Joseph is getting punished for something he didn't do. How did Joseph respond? Think he burned with anger? Think he, think he fell into sin and, and went and called the wife out? No, Joseph went and he got locked up. But this is what happened. While Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. Why? Why do you think the Lord was with him? Because Joseph stayed in the boat, guys. Right? Okay. Joseph was in prison and the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison. And when he was, and when he was made responsible for all that he was done there, the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him a success in whatever he did. The Lord was with him and gave him success in whatever he did. Because no matter what happened to Joseph, he stayed close to God. He wanted to honor God. And we're all going to go through things. Sometimes there's going to be big storms. And they're going to rattle us. They're going to shake us. Right? Because sometimes things, when you look at the story of Joseph and you watch his life, you can't, we can't really look and say, well, he messed up. Look what he did. There was, he got disciplined. He was punished. He was, he did this and that. Joseph was really trying to honor God and things kept happening back to back to back. But who was there beside him every time? God was there because Joseph stayed to his commitment with God. No matter what happens to us, we have to stay committed to God. We can't blame someone else if they hurt us or do something against us. And then we want to leave God or leave the church because of some individual. Once again, your response is your responsibility. If you want to leave, you have to own it and carry it yourself. That's just the truth. Hopefully you don't. Hopefully you want to stay because when the storms come, they're going to come with God or without God. Because they're coming. I want them to come. I want to be with God when they come. Okay, I want to stay in the boat. I don't want to get out the boat, right? I don't even want to dip my, <clears throat> dip my feet in water. I want to stay close as I can, right? Because you never know what's going to come. You know, things come out of nowhere, right? Um, you guys know, a lot of you guys know I was married, and this thing I know I was getting divorced. I'm going to keep it short, right? <laughs> hey, wasn't planned. Wasn't in my plans. I didn't have a book and be like, I think I'll get divorced. Uh. <laughs> Right? I was like, we're leading the group. Let's make some disciples. Let's praise God. God is amazing. You know, God has been good to me. I was, I've done so many foolish things in my life, 
but God has kept me safe. God has honored me. He has blessed me. He has changed my life, right? I had to focus on all these things and say, God has given me an amazing church, right? Amazing examples of people who stayed to, to the course, no matter what they were going through. You have, we have so many examples in here. If we take the time to spend time with people, sometime we don't know, hear their life story. There's so many people in front of us that has lived it out that can inspire us to continue to walk and be more like Joseph and trust in God. Right? Cause, cause the storms are going to come. You know, they, they, that's just how life is. They said in this life, there will be troubles. He didn't sugarcoat. Jesus didn't sugarcoat it. He didn't say, Hey guys, once you follow me, you're good. Hey, it's going to be smooth selling. He's like, hey, I love you. There are going to be troubles in this world. But do not be afraid. I've overcome this world. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus has overcome the world. We professed that he's our Savior. Right? right? We said we believe Jesus went on the cross, died, raised again in three days. We professed that. But we also said he's our Lord. So when things come to us, we can't just hold on to the Savior part and forget he's our Lord and think we can respond any way we want to because we just view him as our Lord. He's as our Savior. He's also our Lord. So we have to look at his, his examples. Look at the examples that they put in this book for us to read to, re, to remind us what it looks like to stay close to Jesus. No matter what anyone does to us. I'm not saying it's going to be easy because it's not. I'm apt. I'm more normal in my flesh to be... Uh, 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 more quick temper, right? To be honest, right? In my flesh. But then I say, I want to be loving, and I want to be patient, and I want to be kind, and I pray that every day, literally. And when I'm on my way to work, I say, God, let me be kind to people and let me love people today. And as time went on, more and more people say, man, you're so kind, you're so loving, and I kind of laughed to myself like, good, you know? <laughs> Because really and truly what you see is, is, is God. It's not me, man. I, I'm not, I'm going to be like Joseph. I'm not taking the credit for that, you know. But I know, since I know it's in me, I stand guard over it, you know, because I want to represent God in, in, a, in, a, in a certain way, in a certain manner so I can impact lives. So I just want to say to you guys, um, stand a boat, you know. When, troubles are going to come. They're going to come. Could be in your marriage, could be in your workplace, could be in some friendships. They're going to come. But I just want to say stand above. We have an amazing group here. People love each other really in their lives. I have so many people who inspire me all over this room, you know, and I'm grateful. I love this church. I'm not going to get emotional because I love this church. I do. So stand above. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. So you know how God always tries to make sure he keep you in your place. So on Tuesday, there was no sound coming out of my throat. None. And I was like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? But God wanted me to be a woman of few words. So he made it physically impossible 
for me to over talk today. So I'm going to work with God on that. Amen. So um, being that it is Black History Month, I wanted to tell you guys a little bit about my history with Jesus Christ, um, because it has been such an interesting walk for me. But I want to give credit first to my family. Um, when I was a younger Christian, I was shy to talk about the the Jesus that my family instilled in me. Because I always felt like because it wasn't connected to my current faith, that it didn't matter. But what I've learned is that the Jesus that my family put in me is the reason why I'm standing before you today. I am an Afro-Latina. I'm from Panama. And Panama is a very small place, by the way. It's this little, it's, it's like Baja California small. But I remember when I was younger, whether I was going to the Catholic church, whether I was going to the Methodist church, whether I was going to the Seventh-day Adventist church with my family, that when I walked into the building, every race was represented there. Now, it could be because of the way Panama is set up. As you know, when they created that canal, they did it for a reason, because it was the smallest area between the East and the West. There were already hundreds of people there that had journeyed from different lands. If you look at the history of Panama, you'll see that Africans were there long before the slave trade, long before And so being raised in that tradition, everywhere that I looked that I saw God, I saw people of every color, every size, every language. And that's the way I was raised when I was a kid. And then I came to America. And it was very strange to me. Those of you that are American-born... You may not understand, but those of us that come from foreign countries, we can tell you that the most segregated day of the week is Sunday. And I didn't understand that. I would go to church with my friends, and I would go in, and everybody at that church would look a certain way. And I would go, whoa. And then I would go with another friend, and everybody would look a certain way. And I would go with another friend, and everyone would look a certain way. And I was like... What is going on here? I don't get this. I don't understand why we can't all worship together. And um, we were all about neighborhood churches. And so I remember my mother, who fought very hard, thank you, Mom, to have us in a multicultural neighborhood, which, as I'm sure you guys understand, is very difficult as a single mother with three little girls. But that's where my mom raised us. She raised us in Long Beach. And the church that was right around the corner from our house was a Presbyterian church. Y'all, we didn't care. We just wanted Jesus. So we went to the Presbyterian church. And I remember going there, and I really liked it. And one day, the pastor pulled my mother aside, and he goes, you know, there's this other fellowship that I think you guys would really like and that I want you to visit. So my mom, being very open, she's not an American, you guys. So she's just like, okay. Let's see. So he gave us the address. And you remember that Thomas Guide? (laughs) Yes, I'm old. So my mama went to the Thomas Guide and she looked up the address of the church that he sent us to. And we drove up to the church. And every single person in that church looked like me. 
everyone from the usher to the maintenance people to the people in the choir to the pastor on the pulpit. And again, we looked at each other and we were like, why are we here? And we realized that they sent us there because they thought we would be more comfortable in that environment. One of the saddest days of my early walk with God. And it turned me off. And I went through some wild years where I drifted away from the way I was raised. I mean, my paternal grandmother was a minister. I had no excuse. But I think I was very turned off by the segregation, even in faith. And then I remembered a scripture that I learned when I was very young that I'm going to read to you. It's in Galatians 3.28, and it states... There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are in Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs, according to the promise. Unfortunately, I didn't see that a lot where I was until one day. My friend called me and she said, okay, there's another church. I was like, another church? She said, I think you're going to like this church. And I said, hmm. So I want to let you know, I know she got the accountability points of her life that day because it was a shrine service. So here we are, I'm living in Paramount, deep Paramount, okay? We are driving for four hours, it felt like, to go and finding parking at the shrine service. But every single place my eyes sat, I saw a different person. I saw young people that were actually interested in being at church. Wait a minute, okay? I saw... I saw Latinos chocolate like me. I saw Latinos of the lighter hue. I saw Asians. I saw Chinese people speaking Chinese, Korean, speaking Korean. They weren't speaking English, y'all. They were speaking their own tongue. I saw everybody, and I was like, where are we? And she goes, we're at church. I'm like, what church is this? And she goes, wait, <laughs> there's more. And we went inside, and... It was the whole shrine full of every color, hue, age. And it reminded me of the Jesus that I met when I was a kid. The Jesus that my mom showed me, that my grandfather introduced me to, that my aunts taught me. I was hard-headed, though, because the world had taken me by then and it took a lot of years and I know now there are lots of churches that are like that but I want to tell you in 1997 March 19th I made Jesus the Lord of my life in a church that looks like this I wish the people online could see our congregation here in the middle of the South Bay we have every age, 
kids that are actually interested in being in church. We have every race, every color, every creed that is here. Because we are neither slave nor free. We are neither male nor female. We are neither young or old or black or white or Latino or Asian. And I can be my chocolate self here. Being Afro-Latino is very strange, you guys, because I look like an African and I sound like a Jamaican and yo puedo hablar español, okay? It is very strange, but I want to tell you that I am following in my mother's footsteps because I realized that back in the 60s and 70s that that multicultural idea was unique and it was deliberate. My mother and father and my aunts and my uncle and my grandfather did that on purpose because they wanted me to know a world that didn't have boundaries. And so as my family has joined the South Bay ministry, I want you to know that that's what we want for Alexander. And that's why we're here. Because we want Alexander to have a Jesus without boundaries. So in this commemoration of Black History Month, this black woman sits in front of you with joy that is unmeasurable. Because my best friend is a Latina, and my husband is an African-American. And yes, that is different than a Panamanian-American. It is, okay? And my son is going to know Jesus in every color, in every shape, and in every race. Thank you for letting me share today. And now I have to pray. See, always forget something. So let's go ahead and pray for communion today. As we bow our heads. Father, thank you so much for being greater than our faults. God, thank you so much for creating this incredible and interesting world for us to live in. Father, thank you for letting your son come and die for us. And break his body to give us the way to heaven. Father, as we take the bread that represents his body and take the blood that represents him, God, I ask you to just bless us and to keep us safe. Thank you for all that you do for us, Father. And we pray this all to you in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.